2: This episode of the Self Love Club is brought to you by KC Clinic. Feel confident in your skin with KC. Find your nearest location, NZ. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast dedicated to chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. I'm your host Belle Crawford. thanks heaps for joining me. There are some new features on the podcast, we're into our third year now, it is so good to mix things up, keep it all fresh and fun and there will still be heaps of guest interviews like on this show. On today's show, The Royalty Wrap-Up, we unpack everything, I've been deep in a rabbit hole, let me tell you, in the aftermath of Harry and Meghan's tell-all interview with Oprah, and we have an in-depth conversation with much-loved and talented actress Grace Palmer. First up, diving straight into The Royalty Wrap-Up, there is a lot to get through. A couple of quick takeaways from me, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I did not expect to watch the full interview, but you bet I did. I was gripped at the TV and watched all of the analysis afterwards and online that I could get my hands on also it made me realize that Harry is such a good person he is an incredible man he's got a big heart he's so kind and so brave doing what he has Diana would be so proud of him I actually got quite teary thinking about that while he was speaking I gotta admit I I'm completely removed from the situation, right? And I often, even all these years on, get emotional and teary when I think about Princess Diana and, like, the loss for that family is just so sad. Also, another thing for me, it was definitely Oprah's reactions for me. Like the, what? Who? I don't know if you were the same. Here's the biggest bombshell moments from the interview. You've probably watched it. You've seen these, but I'll play a quick reel for you.
1: And also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born.
0: What? And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation?
1: I think that would be very damaging to them. That conversation, (laughs) I'm never going to share. Um, But at the time, at the time, it was awkward. I was a bit shocked. That was right at the beginning, when she wasn't going to get security, when members of my family were suggesting that she carries on acting because there's not enough money to pay for her and all this sort of stuff. Like, there was some real obvious signs before we even got married. I was really ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry, especially, um, because I know how much loss he suffered. Uh-huh. But I knew that if I didn't say it, that i would do it and i i just didn't i just didn't want to be alive anymore and that was a very clear and real and frightening constant thought i went to the institution and i said that i needed to go somewhere to get help so that i've never felt this way before and i need to go somewhere and I was told that I couldn't, that it wouldn't be good for the institution. You've
2: probably heard by now that after the interview aired, Oprah confirmed who didn't make those racist comments surrounding Archie's skin color. Have a listen to this.
0: He did not share the identity with me, but he wanted to make sure that I knew, and if I had an opportunity to share it, that it was not his grandmother, mother, nor his grandfather. were a part of those conversations
2: which has since of course left everyone playing this guessing game who can it be it's problematic and it's not okay regardless if that person was for example prince charles then that is alarming because he will be the future king and that just causes a whole conversation around you know you can't have a racist king and that is a huge risk for the future of the monarchy Of course, another big moment was when Megan revealed she was suicidal while pregnant and allegedly being denied mental health help when she asked for it. Now, I'm sure in this very kind and loving community we have, not a lot of people would say this, but it is very alarming and very sad to see the amount of people who have since either polled or commented that they think she was making it up. It takes so much courage to go through something like this, Say it out loud, let alone publicly. And for those who do, it helps others know that they're not alone and hopefully helps them to speak out or ask for help because they're seeing someone else do it. We should be congratulating people for speaking out and showing how brave and courageous they've been. I feel like society and a lot of companies will happily support mental health initiatives. You know, your Movembers, your are you okay days. But when it comes to it and someone comes out like what she said in that sentence and says it, it becomes too much, too full on and people just can't handle it. Author Holly Bourne, you may have seen this, I posted it on our socials, made a valid point tweeting, it's mad how much this world cannot handle the simple act of a woman saying, this is what happened to me. And that is so true, you know, if a man had come out saying this, yep, sure, people may not have believed him or say that they don't believe him, but when it's a woman, it's like, you're constantly having to defend yourself and, you know, prove everything. It's wild. There's been some online commentary around why did they have to do this interview? Why could they not deal with this privately? It sounds like they have been trying to deal with things privately. I think this was the only way for this to have any effect and to actually bring about some positive change, which is needed, obviously, within the institution, but also within society. I mean, you've only got to look at the themes of racism, people's comment about mental health that shows there are some real issues here. Also, not to mention, and the tabloid media, and how everyone buys into this false story and how all of that needs to change. Here's what Oprah had to say about that.
0: Oh, I think they agreed to do it, wanted to do it, were ready to do it, because when you have been lied about for a series of years, I think anybody... You can understand this if in your own office, or in your own family, somebody is saying things about you that are not true, and how hurtful that is. Or if you're online, and you read the comments from something that somebody has said about you, and you continue to see those comments, how hurtful that is. So imagine that for over a period of months and years.
2: The lying, the false information that Harry has blindsided the Queen, when on both sides, there is confirmation they have had multiple conversations over a long period of time. Harry did not want to leave the family. He wanted to step back from being a senior member. And they were in LA when they found out about this. His security was being taken away. Then, thanks to the tabloids, again, very dangerous, it was public information where they were, Here you have this family, these people that have death threats, you know, racism, all this stuff thrown at them, and then the public could find them. They know where they are. It's very dangerous, not to mention all the other implications of the tough time they have been having. Harry had been cut off financially, and thankfully, he has his mother's inheritance. He said during the interview that he couldn't have done this without it. The royal family took their time to respond after the interview was aired, releasing a statement which says it's very brief. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, basically saying they're liars, they have been taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. It ends by saying, Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. Now, like I said, there is a lot to unpack here. I can't believe that I'm talking about this nasty man on such a sacred space like the SLC. But Piers Morgan is a long-time anti-fan, if you will, of Meghan Markle, and he stormed out of Good Morning Britain during a live TV broadcast last week and quit. The show received over 40,000 complaints and it's being reported Piers refused to apologize. He wasn't sorry for what he said. One of those complaints came from Meghan Markle herself. It's understood that she raised concerns to the broadcaster ITV CEO over how Piers' comments may affect people struggling with mental health, which is such a valid point. British presenter, actress, and activist Jamila Jamil has since revealed she was nearly driven to suicide last year due to Piers Morgan's relentless campaign of lies and hatred against her. You can read the full post on her Instagram and Twitter. She said, I'm glad I'm still alive today for many reasons, but watching him leave Good Morning Britain today is right up there and has me feeling safer safer. Happier and hopeful for the future of our media who are learning post Britney Talk and now Megan that there is a line of ethical standards that the public is going to hold them to. I have to agree, I know there is a lot of way to go. You know, media companies, we all as consumers of media need to play our part. You know, don't click on these tabloid clickbaity stories, you are supporting them they are feeding society what society likes to read because they can sell off that. So we really need to hold them accountable. If we don't like what someone's saying, especially if it is racist or anything like that, they do not deserve to be on those platforms. One last point I wanted to touch on, and you may not have realised the importance of it, but the further I got into the rabbit hole I have prepping for this, I realise this has huge significance. So in the interview, you know how they spoke about the lie that was fed to the media by the palace that Megan made Kate cry over some flower girl dresses around the wedding, with Megan on the interview with Oprah revealing it was actually the other way round. Sure, you think like a smear campaign, they clearly don't like her, opinionated female, not keen. But when you look at the timing of when this was released, it was actually quite a while after the wedding. So what was the reason for it? It was calculated. What was happening at this time? When I looked back, it was when there were a lot of news reports that Prince Andrew had links with a sex offender. Alarm bells are ringing, right? Was this the institution's way of trying to cover this up? Divert attention? Was Meghan used to throw under the bus, so to speak? A lawyer representing Jeffrey Epstein's 20 accusers says the palace is using the latest Meghan Markle bullying saga you may have heard about to divert attention from Prince Andrew's relationship with Epstein. Saying it is a distraction and it appears hypocritical under the circumstances – And she also continues, I have to wonder if it reflects a calculated decision to take the focus off Prince Andrew. Allegations about him are far worse than the allegations of bullying about Meghan Markle. Prince Andrew was a working royal when he became friends of Jeffrey Emstead, who was a sexual predator. This will not end here. There will be so much more that will come up. I'll keep on top of it. I'll keep you posted when necessary. I want to hit you with some lighter stuff at times as well. But it is important and there is a lot more and some deep rooted issues here that go back hundreds of years that in today's climate, people are like, "Mm, this isn't okay. And I think the monarchy is at huge risk. A lot of countries now will be looking at it going, well, do we, you know, places like Australia and New Zealand, do we need that anymore? And even in the UK, you know, these issues around race, mental health, they are huge issues. And yeah, there will be a lot more to come from this. Next up on the show, Grace Palmer, a multi-talented actress who you'll recognize from her four-year role on Shortland Street as Nurse Lucy, a stint on Home and Away, and most recently a series co-written with her sister Eve called Good Grief. In this chat we find out all about Grace, her acting career, we chat about people pleasing, learning to take pressure off yourself and what success really is. Here's Grace. Grace, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. We're so stoked to have you on. We absolutely love you. We love your work. So thank you so much for your time.
3: Oh man, I'm blushing. That's so lovely. Hi, thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, how have you been doing? What have you been up to? I know you've been like filming heaps. At the time of recording this, we're in like a little lockdown, so that's probably put a big spanner in the works. How are you feeling about that?
3: I am weirdly very busy at the moment, which is awesome, but when a lockdown happens, it kind of throws things a bit and we have to do some juggling, which is totally fine because it's It's doable. But weirdly, this one is kind of I think every lockdown I have a different response Mm. slash attitude. And weirdly this one is making me quite bitter. Oh, that's (laughs) But I will get my positivity back. I'll be I'll be better about it soon. Yeah,
2: it's okay. You gotta feel those feels, let them out and just yeah, you can't it's normal. Like we all have these different feelings coming out through these lockdowns. Totally normal. So best just to feel the feels you know what I mean
3: totally and and when I'm in my shitty mood I realize very quickly that I'm totally fortunate to have a roof over my head and food in the pantry and cool people who care about me so yeah I mean it does put everything into perspective yeah you know
2: yeah now tell us a bit about yourself and what you do
3: Okay. I am an actress. I'm 26 years old. Wow. The mid twenties <laughs> go fast. Eh? I feel like I, I don't feel like 26 years old. I'm currently based in Auckland, but originally from Christchurch. What else do you want to know, yeah. girl? How ta- deep do we go here? Us, because- ta- we'll go
2: into everything you, you've been doing and you've been working on, but take us back. So you grew up in Christchurch. What were you like as a kid? And did you have any idea growing up what you wanted to do?
3: I was a big show-off, so I think it was inevitable that I would work in front of the camera. My family, my entire family are in the industry. My mum's a producer, my dad was a producer and a director, and my stepdad is a presenter, and uh, my sister is presented, and my younger sister has done musical theatre, and so everyone uh, around me has always been really creative and kind of entrenched in the industry, so I guess it wasn't that that weird when I, um, you know, moved into television yeah. uh, and being exposed to it as as a wee thing. Mm. Kind of just inevitable. I did little bits of presenting and acting right from, from the age of like 12. I moved to Sydney to pursue acting more, but I, I, I guess I moved there because I wanted to be somewhere where nobody knew me. And people didn't know me in New Zealand as such but it was more that I feel like I kind of I was maybe riding off the coattails of my my parents and I just wanted to start. fresh, I know that sounds weird, but I guess I wanted to figure out whether I was any good. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, throwing yourself in the deep end and doing it yourself kind of makes you figure all that out. So it was really awesome. I moved to Sydney and then uh, got some work there and then got some work that brought me home. So um, I I came back and have kind of lived in Auckland ever since. I I did a year in LA and kind of come and go from there, but I'd say Auckland is my home now.
2: Yeah. Well, go through all of that stuff and the things you have done but like you know you did grow up in that environment so it was like very normal transition for you you were in that environment anyway but what was your first thing you did on TV or your first I guess acting gig do you remember? Ah,
3: uh, well, my parents, they used to make What Now, which was awesome. because And they, my mum still does. I think, yeah, I, like a, I think every...
2: I had like a membership. I'm pretty sure we had like a, some kind of membership number or something. And every weekend we'd watch it and you'd, you'd yeah, send in to PO Box. The bombs, club whatever, card. Whatever, the club card. That's it.
3: Totally. So, yeah, I, I did a little skits on What Now and I was really lucky to kind of be involved. Yeah, do little bits of presenting or acting. And so that was really, really awesome um, and I probably took it for granted I didn't realize like how cool that was to get that experience oh, yeah. but everyone um,
2: wanted to be on what so now d- it was like the thing you know we, we're all obsessed with it we'd all watch you would you'd write in your letters and you'd, you'd see all the tally ops on the phone and you'd watch everyone be like oh my god are they gonna take my call it was a big deal back like,
3: in the day I know the tally ops I used to ring up the tally ops not because I like entered in any competitions or I knew what I was talking about but I just wanted to like know that I got through yeah same it and was I, like, I'd I'd...
2: like am I gonna <laughs> see them on the Phone to me on the TV. This is like wild. It blew my mind,
3: you know. <laughs> I played a checkout chick in a little series that they had on there. And <laughs> God, I think it's still on YouTube. It's mortifying because I have races and I'm so. I've just looked ridiculous and I think I have a lisp too or some kind of like (laughs) (laughs) speech impediment. And I was always doing musical theatre and stuff at school and, you know, auditioning for productions and whatnot. I I guess I can't think of of an actual beginning. My parents always supported my, like, me performing. I guess that kind of just like morphed into a job,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, when you do it at home and I used to steal my mum's like dictaphone and record myself doing like funny voices. I don't know how I managed to do this, but like I once performed a Kath and Kim skit where I played both Kath and Kim and I was quite young. Kath and Kim was well over my head. I didn't get any of the jokes really, but I just loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember performing this thing at the Christchurch Town Hall and half of the audience was like, wow, this is really funny. And half of the audience was like, what is wrong with this? kid.
2: So what did you do when you left school? Like what did you move into? Did you study? Did you just start working like I guess you had been doing?
3: I found that really really tough because in the final year of school they uh, our, our school brought in a lot of representatives from universities and other tertiary education and nothing really resonated with me and there weren't a lot of creative options. I loved school and I did well at school but I I didn't feel like going into, you know, studying and I didn't feel like doing a gap year. So I was kind of in this weird thing where it's like, I want to be an actress, but what's the best way to do it? I was really fortunate to have an agent at the time who recommended I don't do like a three-year acting course just because, I mean, it's three years of your life in a period where, you know, you could have acting opportunities. It's not to say that acting school isn't for everyone, but it just wasn't for me. And so I felt like I was in a bit of a rut. I was doing some presenting stuff at the time in Christchurch, which was cool. But I get a little bit of anxiety doing presenting because I find it much easier to play a character than to be myself. I mean, I have so much respect for people who are comfortable just going in front of the camera and being, being them and i mean in doing that you open yourself up to a lot of judgment thing is is that when i'm acting if someone doesn't like me or like my performance i can kind of blame it on a character or you know hide behind the costume whereas when you're presenting you're really putting yourself out there i moved to sydney and that was really great for me it was it was a fresh start and i made a lot of great friends and I probably just needed to step out of my comfort zone and be away from home. So yeah, I did some short-term sort of like uh, acting courses and had coaching and stuff, but to make money, I was waitressing at a club. I was like the world's worst waitress. I was really, really bad. I remember some, uh, this couple came in cause they just got engaged and I was taking them champagne and I dropped the flutes and they smashed on the table and all over her. And like, it was not a great end to her, very romantic day um but i loved it i had such a fun time
2: (laughs) hey it's good for acting like it's good material isn't
3: it (laughs) oh it's all good and i mean to be honest i don't think i ever asked for a reference because i knew that it would be bad (laughs) but you know that all those things i've done lots of sort of odd jobs around the place that have all been great you know it's all part of life and life is what inspires acting and so you do all these things and they're just other strings to your bowl I guess
2: yeah and did you come back when because I know you're on shortland street for a long time is that when you came back from sydney
3: yeah, so I was 19 and I got Shortland Street and so I flew back and that was kind of weird because I felt like I'd just kind of planted roots in Sydney and had a good friend group. and But that's often the way it works, yeah. you know. So I came back to Auckland and it was great. It was awesome. Um, Shortland Street were just like some of the best years of my life. I was there for nearly three years. It was at a time when I was like, going from a teenager to being a young woman and I I did what I loved every day with a group of really cool people and a lot of people who go to acting school for their training, you know, I I had this training on set and so I just soaked up as much as I could and was, you know, using that as my, my acting school.
2: Being in that environment, was that really like confidence building for you in a way? Although it's very scary and you're in front of like, it's, you know, one of the top rating shows in New Zealand. Did that sort of build your confidence? Because those years from when you were still like 19 on can be a bit formative and you're still sort of finding yourself, you're, you're building your courage and your confidence. Was that something that helped in that area?
3: Yeah, I guess it was more that I found my people And that was really special. It was kind of the first time in my life that I felt like I was constantly surrounded by a bunch of like-minded people. And that was so cool. I mean, at school, I had friends and good friends, but no one that I really kind of kept in touch with because I didn't, I don't know, I didn't feel like people really got me. Um, That's not their fault. It's just, you know, you feel like a bit of an anomaly. And, And in this workplace, it was great. I was just constantly surrounded by cool people that, yeah, probably did make me more confident and bring out the best version of me. And so yeah, I really loved that job and I just would never take it for granted because I knew how lucky I was to be there and to be learning while still loving what I do and getting paid for it, it was awesome.
2: And more recently, I loved your show so much that you did with your sister Eve. Good grief, oh God, your character was so funny. We all loved it. Oh, thank you. Cheers, Cracker. Well, you're, oh, thank you're so you. funny. I know it's like a character you're playing, but we do find you funny.
3: My sister and I and a friend of ours, Nick, we wrote it. So we created it and we wrote it. And then we took it to um, some friends of ours. Uh, it's a lovely couple who own a company called Brown Sugar Apple Grunt. I was working on other jobs between leaving Shorty and, and writing Good Grief. So it was kind of one of those things that I would chip away at with Eve and Nick when I had the time. You, you don't get paid for for that writing time before your idea gets picked up. So it it is a passion project and you have to really care about it and pour a lot of love into it. And, and it was, I, I mean, that's the first thing I've ever written. So the fact that it got picked up It's just awesome and I'm super, super grateful. Definitely Definitely inspired me to want to do more on that side of the the camera.
2: And it was so cool that you got to do with Eve as well. I mean, siblings, but then just like just your guys' chemistry. It was just your different characters. It was so good and just, I yeah, I'd love to see you guys doing more stuff together.
3: Yeah, we love working together. We, we don't fight weirdly. We're one of those weird sisters who don't fight. Yeah, getting to do that with her is so special. I'll never forget it.
2: Talk us about some of the other things. What have been some highlights of things that you've got to work on?
3: Well, I guess the comedy experience that I've had now has probably been, you know, my most favourite. I mean, I love all, all acting, and I've had the opportunity to do a real, a real array of things, you know, from drama to horror and action, and then to comedy, and crime. I more recently did a a stint on, you know, a crime series in New Zealand, and at the moment I'm working on another comedy series, which I was a huge fan of, and so getting to be on it was really, really cool. I'm playing like a full-blown bogan with a potty mouth, and I just, I love her, because it's so far removed. From me, I mean, not the potty mouth. I have a potty mouth. I'm surprised I haven't sworn yet. That's yeah. Yeah. I guess I've been really lucky to do a huge range of stuff, and the thing that brings me the most joy is probably comedy, just because on set you're laughing all day, it's fun. I can so see why actors just choose to do. Comedy solely you know even though it might Not win them awards or whatever or Be the highest you know rating uh, Content it's so Fun
2: yeah and it brings people so Much joy like we laugh and that's Like so I think especially in these Times like it's just so nice to Laugh at something you know that's special when Something can make you laugh
3: yeah well Eve And I were always massively Inspired by bridesmaids And SNL and female driven comedy And there just wasn't enough of it Girls are funny and we can be funny and so self-deprecating and so I think that's why maybe Good Grief resonated with lots of people was, you know, having two young wahine who don't necessarily have their shit together. And so it's relatable.
2: Yeah, your character with the rollerblades. If people have watched it, they know what I'm talking about. We cracked up at the rollerblade scene.
3: You're like, you get to work and you I no rollerblade. Shoes. To be honest, it's so weird. It was one of those weird things my whole family did living in Christchurch. We used to go to the Botanical Gardens as a family of rollerblade together. So cringe. No, but rollerblading beautiful. was a
2: thing back in the 90s. Like, I had rollerblades. It was like a trend for quite a while. But you just keep. I going know it. you yeah. say
3: back in the '90s, but I have <laughs> kept this going. This has never stopped. This wasn't a trend. This is my life. And weirdly, I'm not that good. I should be way better considering how often I do it. But I love it. It's so fun. And going to Tamaki Drive, perfect. <laughs> that's a dream. Bloody ripper. Ju- yeah, that's a great place to go on your blades. Well, Christmas, my family bought me um, roller skates. Anyway, I suck. It's so <laughs> hard. hard. I had and blades. Then I, yeah, I had blades. So hard. And you see that girl on TikTok who's a Amazing and she makes it look really effortless. Have you seen her? I don't, I'm new to the TikTok world, but that seems to be coming up on my feed quite a lot is this girl who's a really good roller skater and makes me feel a bit shit about myself. And I haven't got them out in a while.
2: I'm so (laughs) excited to see the Bogan character. I saw it on your Instagram. She looks great. And we love, I love Bogans. I'm a little bit of a Bogan myself. So I'm excited for this.
3: Same. And there's so many Bogans in Christchurch. Are you from Christchurch? Where are you
2: from? I'm from Wellington originally, but I studied in Christchurch. So I, yeah, I got the Christchurch experience.
3: Yeah. Don't you love it when you're driving down one of the (laughs) avs on a Saturday night and someone tries to drag you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of the avs and you're like, oh, wow. I might drag someone tonight. That's a rude thing to say to Christchurch. It's not hey, full there's of bogans, bogan's everywhere. But you know what? I love bogan's. Bogan's get a bad rap. They're bogan's awesome. are great. I've got nothing against bogan's.
2: I find a lot of comedy in bogan's. To be honest, and like Australian bogan's, I I get a lot of laughs, and I, and not in like a ha ha laughing at them way, but I it just really I enjoy it. It's good stuff, you know.
3: Yeah. So no, we had a lot of fun creating my look for that role. I mean, it has to be, it's very, it's a very real and grounded series, so it had to be somewhat Believable, but you know we got the the strands down the front, and we've gone with blue, and the yeah. clothing options are just fabulous. I wear full skate shoes, and our director had a lot of. Um, he's like, "You have to wear this. You have to wear this." And I was like, "Okay, great, love it." And I was just here for the ride. But no, it's very easy to get into character when you're wearing stuff that you don't usually wear. As you can see, I'm in a very floral. Very pretty.
2: pretty, yeah. Still to come on the show, we find out how Grace has learned to deal with rejection and why she keeps a lot of her private life to herself. But first, a message from our sponsor, Casey. So much of our confidence and self-esteem can be tied up in our skin. After my first treatment with Casey, my skin was glowing into the next week and my breakout cleared so quickly. The skincare junkie will be going back. It was such a lovely experience and I love that I genuinely saw results so big tech. I would so love for you to feel comfortable to go makeup-free, if you want to of course, and know how beautiful you are. At KC, they know that healthy, glowing skin can help you look and most importantly, feel great. KC are the skin health experts and personalise a plan just for you. Say hello to healthy, glowing skin, get a skin conditioning treatment for $70, usually up to $120 with every free consultation. Say hello to Skin Confidence with Casey. Find your nearest location at kc.co.nz. Thanks so much to KC for making this episode of the Self Love Club possible. We heart you heaps. What have been some challenges you've found or like lessons you've learned along the way as being an actress? Any creative industry, it is hard, but you keep going, you know, you keep giving it a crack and it's hard in a place like New Zealand. So what have been some of the biggest challenges you've faced?
3: I guess rejection is something you have to learn to be comfortable with. And initially, it's hard not to take it personally. But having worked on the other side of things and casting my own show, I learned that it's just so not personal. And when you write something, you have a really specific idea of who this person is. And so you're like, it doesn't matter if you did, you know, did the best audition in the world. It's just not you. And that's okay. And so that has made me way more comfortable with rejection, which isn't necessarily rejection. It's just casting. You know, there's heaps of people auditioning and only one job. Yeah. I guess that was probably the biggest obstacle that I I had to overcome pretty early on. It's tough sometimes, particularly when you get really close to something and you become more and more invested. But I'm much more relaxed about the whole thing now. When I was on Shortland Street, I definitely struggled with the criticism or the, I got a lot of anxiety when I was out and about and I'd be mm. recognized. I found that a bit tricky just because, you know, people were quite upfront with how they felt about you and your character. Yeah. And I understand that. With other work that I've done, it doesn't play five nights a week. You know, when you're on something that plays five nights a week, people find it hard to disassociate and differentiate mm. you and the character.
2: What about in the periods between, this is the same thing for any actor, but in the periods between projects, do you ever find that a little bit hard knowing that you're going to have
3: more work? Yes. Yeah. I mean, now I'm weirdly in this position where I've got three jobs lined up, which never happens. So I'm weirdly in this place now where I'm like, oh, okay. So there's there's work on the horizon. Whereas generally speaking, it's not like that. You do a job and you're unemployed until you find the next job. And yeah, it is tough, but I quite enjoy the inconsistency. I don't think I'm a creature of habit and I don't know whether routine is kind of for me. So not knowing what's next can be tricky but it's also just part of this career. It's what makes it tough, but also really interesting and rewarding when opportunities do come up. I'm learning to be better in my downtime I'm an extrovert and I like hanging out with other people. So I find being on my own, particularly in a lockdown situation, because my partner and my flatmate both work through level three and I'm kind of home alone and I'm like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Like, who do I talk to? There's no one to hang out with. But yeah, I've I've also just committed to doing a lot of other things so that when I'm not acting I have other stuff that keeps me motivated and is soul food you know I do a lot of writing but I'm also studying at the moment too which weirdly has taken a backseat as soon as I committed to doing it I got really really busy with other stuff which is always the way but I've got um a couple of close friends who are super free spirits and I'm I'm working hard to kind of relax and just take it as a comes Mm, and not be so controlling.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of us can relate to that because it's like, I don't know, especially when you have big goals and dreams and you've got aspirations, you sort of You want to see it all happen, and I think that's so normal, though. You know, there's moments where we can go with the flow and be happy, but, like, a lot of the time we're like, well, when's this going to happen, especially when you've got big dreams of being an actress,
3: you know? Yeah, but also the thing I learned about these dreams are I guess that so much of what I do is in the hands of other people, Mm. and I stopped making goals and resolutions quite a while ago because I I don't know I don't believe in counting your life in years I I think that can be quite like detrimental to your mental health as well well for me anyway because Mm -hmm. I was like oh well this was a good year or that was a bad year when really it's life it all just rolls into one I guess my main goal or objective was just to be happy because I've been unhappy when I've been working and I've been unhappy when I haven't been working. So I guess putting pressure on things that are A, out of my control and B, not necessarily the answer. I'm a firm believer in kind of just aiming for... For happiness As opposed to success Or what you think success looks like
2: I love that I hope we can all get to that place You know, that's so nice to hear Especially when you are in an industry Like you say Where your career and things Are at the control of other people All the time So there's no point In trying to hold yourself up To those standards Or not even standards But those Decisions and valuing your worth system on that, because that would be so dangerous.
3: Yeah. And as soon as you kind of come to terms with that, it all becomes a lot easier. Uh, It's something that is unfortunately a little bit fickle sometimes, but it's also just the nature of the business and it's a business that I want to be in. So I have to make that choice to not only understand it, but be okay with it.
2: How did you come to that place? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening, thinking, oh, I would love to feel like that in their life. Obviously, it was a process you went through and everyone's got to go through stuff themselves. But how did you get to that point and sort of what made you think, "Okay, this is what we're going to do now?
3: I guess I was always such a warrior, not a warrior as in like a (laughs) as in i worried (laughs) no i worried a lot about everything ever since i was a little kid people always say what you know worry is a wasted emotion but it truly is It takes a lot of energy to be worried, and it doesn't fix anything. I guess I worked hard not to worry. And I also surround myself with a lot of people who are also in the industry. And this isn't by choice. These are just my friends and I adore them, but they also understand. And so I guess having like-minded friends and family is is really helpful because they get it and there's no pressure to do anything or be anyone. Mm. I'm trying to form a recipe for you, but I don't necessarily have one because I'm still working through it myself. Yeah. But I guess to be honest, I still, um, I'm not always in that place. And I have moments where things get me down in a big way, but I I guess it's just taking the pressure off. And my biggest thing is, you know, working hard at not giving a shit at what, what other people think. I think as well through social media that, I mean, it it definitely grew massively in my late teens, early 20s. And that was a period of time in which I was figuring out who I was and I was letting other people kind of have a say in that. So I, I try and take social media with a grain of salt. I don't reveal too much of myself on there just because I don't want other people to change the way I feel about myself.
2: Yeah, I like that. And you don't have to. Sh- I think we've been in this world of oversharing. You don't actually have to share. I know what you mean. I've kind of come to a place too where it's like you can still share what you love, but you can choose. You don't owe it to anybody and people will just misconstrue stuff anyway. So I totally, I think that's great. Share what you want to share, whether those are funny videos or like anything, you know, and that's cool.
3: Yeah. And I guess I think people would think that because I am a bit of an open book and I I guess I'm not easily embarrassed. Like I don't have a lot of shame around kind of what I do, that they may think that they know me, which is cool. And that's a part of myself I'm happy to reveal. But there are lots of things that I keep really, really private. There, There are things that I just don't feel comfortable sharing or talking about. And I guess as well is there are lots of special moments that i Living that i don't ever think to get my phone out and captured that much. you know like there are so many parts of my life that i'm like oh wow i didn't i didn't get any evidence of that on my phone uh but i guess that's just really living in it right
2: yeah talk us through your self-care like how do you take really good care of yourself and so that you're feeling good in these in these moments of you know all the work you're doing all the hustling like how do you take care of yourself
3: i work out a lot i love working out Not always before I do it, but definitely afterwards and during. I love cooking. There's that. I do a lot of singing and playing the piano. I watch a lot of films. I love watching films and TV series and seeing other people do what I do, but usually way better. Um, I spend a lot of time with friends and family. I'm pretty social. I've learnt of late. I used to feel really... Shamed or feel the stigma around indulging in self care, like massages, nails, hair, face, whatever. But it's my choice to invest in those things. You know, I'm not spending anybody else's money to do it. And if it makes me feel better and it, you know, a relaxing part of my week or whatever, then why the hell not? Yeah. So I've, yeah, I've started getting massages and stuff and i always getting um, facials. <laughs> People are probably like, wow, you get a lot of facials, but I do. I love them. I love looking after my skin and yeah. I love all the products. I'm such a consumer when it comes to skincare oh God, and shit. Same. I'm
2: like, I'm an absolute skincare junkie. Like the aim of the game is to have your skin so dewy, you look like a glazed donut. You know what I mean? Yeah.
3: I love donuts. Oh, I don't yum. know if I told you that, but big Dude. donut fan. Yeah, love donuts. They are the best of like the cake variety. I love a Dunkin' Donut. Oh. I don't fuck with Krispy Kreme. I'm going to be real. I just love Duncan. Yeah. Love it. Chocolate glazed. It's oh, where it's at. I've yeah. got it at Auckland airport, and it's really dangerous because every time i board my flight, I'm like, do I? Just yeah. Just one I
2: little did. treat. No, I think that's so true. <laughs> what you said. I think some people do feel like they're being a bit self indulgent, but no, we all work so hard. And, you know, like whatever makes you feel good, there's no shame in doing that. And, you know, it's your money. I think the way I look at it is as well, is like, if it makes you feel good, then you're going to, you know, feel better in life. And also, so if you're not going out partying all the time, spending your money on booze, then well, you can spend it on that stuff instead and you feel way better about it, you know. And it's totally cool to go out and have some drinks as well. But you know what I mean? Like it's just what your priorities are and where you want to spend your money and that's fine.
3: I do also spend quite a lot of money on boots, but...
2: Um. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> um, I was just stoked before our last lockdown that I went out for a couple of mugs. That, that night before, I was like, oh, best mugs I've ever yeah. had. You know, like that was money well spent, yeah.
3: I also, with I guess my skin is a big one because being an actress, you're getting makeup put on you. Sometimes it makes your skin worse and then it's kind of this weird thing where it's like you get a pimple and then you have to cover it up with makeup. Which kind of fuels this terrible cycle of having mm. bad skin? I love having good skin. I don't really wear makeup, and I hate the feeling of makeup in my own life. I guess it's kind of just because I associate that with work.
2: What are your favorite treatments to get at Casey? Like, what kind of ones do you always go back to get? Because I know you've you dabble in your treatments there.
3: Yeah, so I've got. I go to Casey. Probably every three weeks, which is regular. I My new favorite is the Hydroderm. I don't know if you've had a... High, it's like a microdermabrasion, but it's with water. And it's one of those ones that you can see instantly. You know, you like leave and you look like fresh and hydrated. I like a sonophoresis, which sounds very scientific yeah I know I've, um, I've hit
2: one of those too and I was like oh what's this little sciencey number you know did you like it yeah it was lovely yeah it was really good loads yeah with high yeah, and yeah good for redness and yeah great
3: they say it's a good one to have before like you're going out or to an event because it, like if you put makeup on it you really get a good glow and I do a lot of peels they're a team of absolute pros and they're so lovely there's there's something So nice about having someone as invested in your face as you are. (laughs) You know, like you feel so vain if you talk about your skin excessively to other people, but doing it to a facialist is warranted. And they are so great and helpful and so I usually just let them decide what they think my skin needs and they're always bang on but since I've been seeing KC and I've been going to KC for it'll be coming up to four so three and a half years I used to be someone who wore makeup in my spare time you know like day to day I would wear makeup and now I very rarely put it on and I think it's just testament to having nice fresh skin
2: yeah yeah, so true and I think a lot of people's self-esteem is tied up in their skin as well especially if you're prone to having like breakouts or anything like that and that's that's so, like so sad we feel like we have to cover up our skin but you're so right I think Yeah, being able to feel good in your skin and confident is so important because I feel like people are hiding away a lot of the time and covering up with makeup because they might not feel so confident
3: or think, oh, everyone's going to see my skin, you know. So I know. And there's all these dumb fucking filters on social media. So I've got a lot of freckles and I used to sort of hate my freckles. And they are super prominent in summer. And this one like kind of comes up as a moustache above my lip. Like I get a cluster of freckles that congregate on my upper lip and they do look like a moustache. Anyway, I used to hate that. But now I kind of associate that with summer and how much I love summer and going to the beach. And I love my freckles and I always tell people who have freckles how much I love their freckles because there are always these dumb filters that like mm. get rid of all of your all the things that make you, you. Yeah, and I, I guess there's all these things on social media where people get the same stuff done to look, The same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, I have no, nothing against cosmetic injectables or, you know, anything like that. It's absolutely your prerogative to look how you want to look and do what you want to do. There's so much beauty and diversity. And if we looked the same, then it would be so utterly dull. You know, Mm -hmm. the world is beautiful because everyone looks so different. And I, I just hope that people don't think that there's one way to look yeah. and it's about having big lips and defined jaw and kind of pulled back mm. eyes and it, 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 bushy eyebrows or whatever the because these are trends and things yeah. change and you know it's ebbs and flows of what's cool and what's not but i, I really hope people learn to love what makes them different because yeah. it truly is what is so so beautiful.
2: Yeah, you're so right. I d- yeah, I worry about people thinking that they're not good enough or not beautiful enough and it's like real skin has pores, like we have spots, we have here, like it's normal and yeah, I totally agree. Some of those filters are getting out the gate. What was LA
3: like living there? Must be wild sometimes. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. I just loved how I guess it was the same in Sydney too, to be honest. When I lived in Sydney and living in LA, it was almost impossible to stand out. And I loved that. Everyone was so different. Everyone would dress differently. And I just loved that. And being in LA, I was so enamored by all of the body shapes. These women had such incredible, like hourglass figures, or you know, there was. Everything that you can think of. I guess like a lot of New Zealand fashion is kind of quite masculine and sort of boxy. whereas over there, I mean, you just kind of showed off your physique a little more. When I walk down the street, sometimes I feel like what I wear offends people. Mm, Yeah. Whereas when I lived there, I felt like I could wear, and even my partner, he'll say to me sometimes like, dress like you're in LA because he knew that I dressed so differently when I was over there. It's probably more my issue where I'm just less confident being it at home and I I loved being in a place where I was such a small fish in a big pond that was really, really cool you know to be somewhere so inspiring it is tricky though everyone's hustling in LA like everyone is hustling
2: yeah is that something you'd ever want to go back to I mean you obviously love New Zealand and you love being home and you've got great work stuff here like is that something you would or are you sort of like if that opportunity comes up then you know cool
3: yeah I have a visa so I have to go back all the time would I live there full time again I don't know I guess I just have a great community here that I find hard to be away from I love the weather there I'm such a summer person I always get a little bit down and winter being in LA it's just sunny all the time you know it very rarely rains and that's great for for my mental health but being away from the people i love is is tricky so i got i've got a love hate relationship with LA And I did have good friends over there. I'd like to spend a bit of time. I really want to spend more time in New York. And I want to spend time in Hawaii. That's where I'd like to utilize my visa most.
2: Yeah. We've touched on your self-care a lot. Like you've talked about like looking after your mental health. Are there things that you do to take care of your mental health? And I'm sure a lot of those things, like exercise, is so for all of us, it's so linked into helping you feel good in your mind. Are there other things that you do and to look after yourself in those moments where maybe you're not feeling so good?
3: When I'm not feeling great. It's usually tied up in lack of purpose. So feeling like I I just lack direction and so i've got a good tool that uh, i saw a therapist who gave me a good tool that helps in those situations where i basically say to myself what's the next thing i need to do to feel fulfilled and sometimes i'm overwhelmed by having so much to do and then i procrastinate because i lack motivation or whatever but if i break it down for me and i compartmentalize it in my brain then i'm like this is achievable and also even if it's something as stupid as like emptying the dishwasher you do feel like you've done something, you've achieved something. There's a like a sense of reward, you know, when you're like, okay, great. And then that encourages you and motivates you to do the next thing or whatever. So, I mean, I have copious amounts of lists and reminders on my phone and I tick them off when I'm done because it's just like a little gold star to me. Like, yay, you made your bet or <laughs> yay, you replied to that email or whatever it might be. That's something that helps me.
2: Yeah, yeah definitely. I can t- so relate what you're saying about like having so much on, sometimes feeling overwhelmed sometimes I like I'll get a lot done but then sometimes when something's so busy or you think it's hard I get into that procrastinating stage sometimes too and then you feel bad about yourself because you're like oh god why am I procrastinating and like even though you are I'm just really hard on myself you know what I mean in those moments I think that's so relatable I don't feel like
3: people really talk
2: about the procrastinating thing when you get overwhelmed a bit you know what I mean I actually think it's
3: kind of I mean our parents generation that has made us think that being busy and doing heaps all the time is a good indication of success, Mm. I then kind of, I guess I used to get into this hole of being like, well, I, I haven't achieved enough in my day. And so am I successful when I felt lazy? And really, I just need to remind myself how lucky I am to be able to relax. Again, it just falls into pressures of what other people think you should do and meeting other people's expectations when really it's just do what you got to do to feel fulfilled at the end of each day.
2: You've given us so much advice along the way, but what is some advice you would like to share to those listening who want to do really cool things and live a cool life like you have?
3: Oh, that's lovely. Not not have. Oh, God.
2: You're still in the process of
3: being. I just hope that people... Know now how limitless their potential is, and I guess it comes from like for me writing my own show and then like having it on TV. I guess if I if at the start of that process I thought that that was going to happen, I I don't think I would have done it. I would have been too scared. And so sometimes looking at the big picture is overwhelming, and doing it in little chunks can sometimes be a lot more more bearable and easy to digest, I guess. And so I, I think it's about taking life one step at a time and trying to to enjoy every little moment. My mum always says that, you know, it's about the journey. And it's true. I guess sometimes we are always looking for the next thing and we just need to sit in the moment a little more. I mean, that's where people talk about being present and it's something that I'm still trying to, grasp, I guess, about about being present always and um, embracing every little moment and having a laugh along the way. I also know that me doing what I've done and having the career I've had, has I've had opportunities growing up that not everyone would have access to. And so sometimes telling someone that they can do anything and they can dream big isn't always the best advice because I come at this from a place of privilege and I had a really supportive family who let me do what I want to do and help me get there. So, so not everybody starts at the same place mm.
2: and I think it is important for people especially the, I mean movements we we're seeing last year to really do check your privilege I'm very aware of like you know privileges that we all have and you know whether it be like talking about therapy or something that's privilege to be able to see a therapist you know like so I think 100% it's really important to be aware of whatever your privilege is you know
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's not something that you ever have to shit on yourself for and go like, Oh, God, I don't deserve to feel depressed at the moment, because my life is so good. You know, you can feel what you want to feel. You can't help the way you feel, but you can help the way you deal with it. The truth is, I really pride myself on my friends and the people that I surround myself with. I think that's really, really important to have People that are, you know, inspirational, aspirational and motivational, but also just there if you are feeling a bit shit and you need a shoulder to cry on or complain to or whatever. I went through a phase where I had a lot of friends, but I didn't really have a lot of good friends and it wasn't their fault. It was just me. I kind of had not invested in a, a small amount of people. I'd kind of just given some of myself to everybody and I. it's okay not to get along with everyone
2: just a few more things before we wrap up have you ever struggled with being a people pleaser or you know when people don't like you or you don't like other people like talk us through that how have you 100% especially maybe working in an industry like you have I mean I know that you're playing characters and things but when someone doesn't like you how do you feel about that or obviously now you're probably in a different spot but how have you dealt with that
3: yeah I used to really struggle with that and I still do I know I get a lot of lovely positive messages on social media but for whatever reason the ones that kind of stay in my brain are the negative ones and they shouldn't be because it's a dime a dozen. I guess as you get older and you know yourself better and you kind of respect yourself more because you know who you are, you're not as affected by what people say. But I still am all the time and it, I guess the thing is, is that it's dumb to let people who don't know you tell you how to live your life. You're like, God, I would never take ask you for advice. So why am I? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I am quite confrontational. So sometimes I have to buy my tongue because <laughs> I'd love to just like have it out. Particularly in the moment and in, in a world of like cancel culture, I'm paranoid about putting a foot wrong and saying oh I guess it's more that i'm paranoid about offending somebody mm-hmm. because I deeply like I ha- that's part of me being a people pleaser I guess that also stems from having like my parents a divorce and I always just wanted to keep every everybody happy and they yeah. they get along and everything's fine it's very amicable but I guess ever since i've lived up i just got to make sure everything's okay and I'm one of those people who at a party are you all good do you need a drink do we how's the music do we go we like the music we're all good okay cool and what about the snacks does everyone like the snacks I'm I'm like one of those people and my friends are like you just need to chill and I'm like right okay <laughs> so I I think it's like entrenched in me And it probably always yeah, yeah. will be Yeah, I guess it's a weird thing Where I'm like, God, I don't know why I let the opinions of someone I don't really care about wind me up When, you know, there's people closer to me Who have way way more yeah. feedback And um, words of wisdom that I, that I could be taking on board
2: And one last question uh, I always ask this Is what is some advice You would like to share with your younger self Knowing what you know now What would you tell little girl-
3: Grace? all going to be okay to relax. I was always so highly strung. Uh, I don't know. I guess it was maybe part of having quite high expectations of myself and feeling like I was never going to meet those expectations. But the truth is, I don't know even if I'd done all the things or will do all the things that I've envisioned for myself. I don't know if that'll make me happy. The things that make you happy are your friends and your family and your relationship with yourself and no job is going to change that I guess just telling myself that it's all going to be okay and it's not going to be what you think it's going to be but that's all good
2: <laughs> yeah I love that hey thank you so much for your time Grace so I appreciate having a chat and having you on it's um yeah we really appreciate it so thank you so much
3: thank you I'm sorry I waffled so much no but you were great you were great having me
2: thanks to casey clinic for making this episode of the self-love club possible feel confident in your skin with casey Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're an independent podcast, and you can support us by subscribing on your go-to podcast app. Click follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star glowing review. Show us where you're listening. Maybe you're out for a pretty walk. I uh, will screenshot and post on your Instagram story and tag us in it at Self Love Club Podcast so we can see and share. Share with your friends, sisters, workmates, everyone into our backlog and enjoy listening you can find us and follow at self-love club podcast i'm abelle crawford and we'll catch you soon
1: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time